Sometimes we hold back because we think that we're not wise enough, perhaps not strong enough for the task at hand, and we're probably right. However, God isn't looking for the strong or the wise. He's looking for the willing. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to the Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Tonight we're going to be looking at Exodus, chapters 36, 37, and hopefully 38. I say that because, well, I advertised it for one, but we've already been through these. And so I'm not going to read every verse of Scripture in these three chapters. Um, I say we've already been through them because the Lord has uh, already instructed Moses on the specifications of the tabernacle, the outer courts, the priestly garments. And we get in chapters 36 through 38, we find the children of Israel coming together to build that which the Lord has already given Moses instructions to build. And so this is in some ways repeating some of the things that we've already learned about. Quite a bit of it actually is repeating from different chapters. It could be from chapter 25, 26, chapter 30, as God gave Moses the instructions, the specifications for the tabernacle. And I was thinking about it this afternoon. Um, Actually, this late afternoon, I was mowing my lawn before coming over to the church, and uh, not right before, but a little bit before. And uh, when I'm out mowing the lawn, Yeah, I was thinking and running things through my head, and the Lord gave it to us twice, this passage of Scripture basically describing the tabernacle being made. So it must be that He wants us to get this stuff. He wants us to have a good understanding of these things. Also here in Exodus 36, I believe He wants to encourage the body of Christ in the sense of coming together to work together for the glory of His kingdom as we find the children of Israel doing here in Exodus 36, 37, and 38. They gathered together to do the work that the Lord had called them to do, and some brought the work, and they were able to provide offerings for the work to be accomplished. Others were actually participating in creating and building and molding, and sewing, and doing all these wonderful things that God had commanded them to do. 
So Exodus 36, I titled the overall study, the making of the tabernacle. That's what we're talking about in these three chapters. But in chapter 36, I titled it stirred hearts. And the last two things mentioned in this chapter, Exodus 36, the veil and the screen, the veil mentioned in verses 35 through 36, they were made of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and of fine linen, had cherubim woven into it, just like the inner curtain of the sanctuary, this veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat were placed, and only where the high priest would minister once a year on the Day of Atonement. So the veil separated the holy place from the holy of holies. The screen, also made of blue and purple and scarlet thread of fine linen, verses 37 and 38, was the entrance to the holy place. It was how the priest came to the holy place to minister daily. There, the altar of incense, the menorah, the showbread were all located in this opening section of this tent, this tabernacle, where the priest would minister daily. And we've read of bronze, of gold, and of silver. These three metals used in the making of the tabernacle itself. The bronze symbolizing judgment. Silver symbolizes redemption. And gold symbolizing the purity or the glory of Christ. All three speaking of the work of Christ. As he took our sins and the judgment of God upon him for in our behalf, that we might be redeemed, that we might be made pure or made whole. So I like Exodus 36. We have builders. I was a builder uh, for 20 plus years of my life. I still build things, but not like I used to. And often our hearts may be stirred within us to do a work that the Lord has called us to do. And Sometimes we hold back because we think that we're not wise enough, perhaps not strong enough for the task at hand, and we're probably right. However, God isn't looking for the strong or the wise. He's looking for the willing. God will give us the wisdom. God will give us the strength. Sometimes we don't develop the strength until we do the work. That's just how it is. You should have seen this skinny 18-year-old when he began laboring for bricklayers. I didn't have a lot of strength, but within a year of doing that, I got pretty strong. In fact, my grandsons to date cannot outgrip me. The 17-year-old is trying his hardest, but he just can't do it. One day he'll make it there. Last week, my daughter wanted to build a new fire pit barbecue for my son-in-law, Kevin, and um, we plotted it all out. He's here working for the state. He's here in the church. Doesn't have to go in. He works from his office in the church. And so we timed it with his break time, his lunch time. So after lunch, we went over to Menards. We bought the material. We brought it back. After his break time, all the sons were there, and I helped him put the barbecue, tear down the old and put the one back together and make it anew. And then my middle grandson said, Papa, now I know why your hands are so thick. Because he picked up those 50 stones probably 200 times. <laughs> he got a taste of the work. And that's how it is. Sometimes 
We may not be wise enough. Sometimes we may not be strong enough for the task at hand. But God is looking for the willing heart who's willing to do the work to stir us up to the work that he's called us to. And then he'll give us the strength. He'll give us the skill. He'll give us the wisdom. And he'll bring other like-minded people around us. In fact, 2 Corinthians eight twelve through 14, Paul said, First is first a willing mind. It is accepted according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So the willing mind here talking about physical giving of stuff, but that could be true in any situation, the giving of our time and of our talents. It begins with the willing mind. And Paul goes on to say, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but by equality, that now at this time in your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance may supply your lack, that there may be equality. In this situation specifically, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth who financially, they had excess, but the church in Jerusalem, financially, they were suffering. It was becoming a very difficult time in Jerusalem. And the church was suffering. They were under attack. They were under threat. But spiritually, the church was very strong in Jerusalem. So the church in Corinth had abundance and wealth, but the church in Jerusalem had abundance in spiritual wealth. And he said in equality, exchanging those giftings to one another, that there might be equality. And much can be accomplished for the kingdom of God when brothers and sisters give of their time, their talent, their resources with willing hearts. If you're faithful to the call that God has placed upon you or the call of a body of Christ that he's given us, it works best when Christ gets the glory as it should be. In 1 Peter 4.11, Peter wrote, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability that God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. As in all things, what God supplies, we use our gifts that Christ should be glorified. So in chapter 37, we have the construction of the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, the table for the showbread, the golden lampstand or the menorah, the making of the altar of incense and the making of the anointing oil and the incense all containing their constructing. The specifications given to us here. So, Biziel, again, continues to build in verses 1 and 6, I'm going to read. Exodus 37, verses 1 and 6. Then Biziel made the ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits was its length, and a cubic and a half was its width. A cubic and a half was its height. Verse 6, so he made the mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits was its length, a cubic and a half its width. So while the tabernacle construction was under the way, Biziel, the lead builder, and the supervisor, the superintendent, we might say, the job superintendent, he was gifted by God, filled with the Spirit to lead in the building to help all the other builders, but also he had special giftings and skills. He made the Ark of the Covenant and its mercy seat. So he made the Ark of the Covenant, the box, in which the Ten Commandments, the jar of manna and Aaron's rod that budded would go, 
and the mercy seat, the lid, the covering of the box. Both of these were described to us in Exodus 25, verses 10 through 22. The ark and the mercy seat made of acacia wood carved out and overlaid with pure gold. So the mercy seat was a covering or a lid for the ark. This is perhaps the most important piece of furnishing. It contained the Ten Commandments, the jar of manna, Aaron's rod that budded. It was in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies only once a year on the Day of Atonement. In the Old Testament, the mercy seat was a place of propitiation, a covering. It was where the sprinkling of the blood and the high priest would enter on the Day of Atonement. He would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice seven times upon the mercy seat for himself. Then he would leave the Holy of Holies, get more blood from the sacrifice, go into the Holy of Holies a second time, sprinkle the second seven times for the sins of Israel. So sprinkling the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the box, with the blood of the atonement offering. Exodus 30:10. And Aaron, you shall make atonement upon its horn once a year with the blood of the sin offering of the atonement. Once a year, he shall make atonement upon it through your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Today, Jesus Christ has become this covering of mercy. It is Jesus Christ who stands between us and our holy God. He is, according to 1 John 4.10, the propitiation for our sins, the covering. Hilasmas is the Greek word, and it basically means a covering. Jesus Christ is that covering for our sins. Verses 10 through 16, we have the construction of the table of showbread. In verse 10, he made a table of acacia wood. Two cubics was its length. A cubic its width, cubic and a half its height. And we read about this in Exodus 25, 23 through 30, as Moses, God described it to Moses there on Mount Sinai. As with the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, the acacia wood formed the base of the table of showbread. It was also overlaid with pure gold. And upon it was placed the showbread, or the bread of presence, as it's also called in the scripture, containing 12 loaves of bread that were replaced weekly to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Each Sabbath, new loaves were placed before the Lord there on the table, and only the priests were allowed to consume the discarded bread because it was most holy to the Lord. And God said in Exodus 25:30, You shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Today, Jesus Christ is that bread of life who stands in the presence of his Father in heaven always. He is the bread of life. Jesus said in John 6, 48 through 51, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So connecting his body being broken there upon the cross 
Jesus Christ, the bread of life, who stands in the presence of God his Father forever. And whoever receives Jesus, the bread of heaven, to him is given everlasting life. 17 through 24, we have the menorah, the golden candlestick that was there in the holy place. So the showbread, the menorah, and the table of incense all in the holy place. Verse 17, he made the lampstand of pure gold. Now this is a pure gold. There's no acacia wood in this. It's solid gold. They have one in Israel that is already made and prepared for the coming temple. I'm assuming they'll use it. That's why they made it. As soon as they build the temple, they're expecting to put the menorah in there. This thing is huge. Um, They have it in a glass case in an underground passage in the old city that you can walk down for that purpose of just seeing the menorah. And it is very large. I don't know if this one is quite that large. It couldn't have been because it wouldn't have fit in the tent. But he made the lampstand of pure gold, of hammered work. He made the lampstand, its shaft, its branches, its bowls, the ornamental knobs, its flowers were all of the same piece. So Biziel was a very busy man, making and fashioning all these golden furnishings of the tabernacle, the menorah described in Exodus 25, 31 through 40. So we've been through this once before. But unlike the other holy furnishings, this one was crafted out of one piece of solid, pure gold. The menorah sat across from the table of showbread, was tended by the ministering priest who trimmed its wicks, resupplied its oil in order that its light would shine throughout the darkness. In my notes, its light would never go out. Of course, when you're trimming the wicks, you have to have a chance to change out and stuff. So they would trim the wicks, give a fresh supply of oil, and have it burning continually. That's the desire in Exodus 27:20. You shall command the children of Israel to bring pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. And so that pure olive oil, the first crushing, not like extra virgin olive oil, that comes from a more harder crush. This is by a light bruising of the olives, the first oil that comes out. This is what was collected for this lamp. In like manner, Jesus Christ is a light of the world that never goes out. In Matthew 7, 2, it tells us on his transfiguration that his face shone like the sun. His clothing became as white as light. His countenance also will shine forth in the new Jerusalem, in the city in Revelation 21, 23, where it'll have no need of the sun or the moon to shine for the glory of God illuminated it and the lamb is its light. So the altar of incense, 25 through 28. He made the altar of incense of acacia wood. Its length it was a cubic. Its width a cubic. It was a square. So it could be 18 by 18 or 20 and a half by 20 and a half, depending on the dimension of a cubic. But it was a square. Two cubics was its height. So either 36 inches high or a little taller than that. And its horns were of one piece with it. And so the horns on the altar 
You read of whether the bronze altar or the golden altar like this one, they all had horns on the altar. And so the altar of incense was located just in front of the curtain, the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And Biziel was careful to make the altar according to the instruction given to God through Moses in Exodus 30, verses 1 through 5. Here was the burning of the sweet incense, a fire of coals that was brought in from the bronze altar to burn the incense there in the house of the Lord. And we find a comparison of the incense in the book of Psalms, also in Revelation, which I'm going to read now, of the burning incense of that of the prayers of the saints. In Revelation 8, 3 and 4, it says, Another angel, having golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. Remember, the tabernacle is a copy of the heavenly. And here we find in the heavenly, there's a golden altar, and there's incense, but here it's mingled with the prayers of the saints, and they ascend before God from the hands of the angel. So then the making, in verse 29, the holy anointing oil, the pure incense of sweet spices, according to the work of the perfumer. Close out this chapter. Moses briefly mentioning the making of the holy anointing oil and the pure incense of sweet spices. We'll find out later. This was described to us in Exodus 30, verses 22 through 38. A lot more detail there. One verse here. But there would be only like one specific family would have the job of making the showbread, of making the holy anointing oil, of making the incense. There was a family recipe, a secret that was kept in this family, passed on from generation to generation. So this is actually a very large deal, would become a very big deal. Traditionally, they're in Israel, but here only mentioned by one verse in verse 29. So the anointing oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit's anointing upon our lives. Once we are sealed and anointed with the Holy Spirit, we bear the mark of the Lord upon our lives. Without His anointing, there's no unity to bind us together. It's the Spirit of God that binds the body of Christ together, that makes us one. Christ and His work, of course. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Without the redemption of Christ, we have no forgiveness of sin, no atonement. But the Spirit works in a bond of unity and of peace, according to Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, that we are to come in all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So the anointing oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit throughout the, both the Old and New Testament, and the anointing of the Spirit Himself upon our lives. And of the tabernacle's furnishings, the mercy seat was where the high priest would sprinkle the blood once a year on the Day of Atonement. The Greek word for that covering, the mercy seat, when translated the Hebrew into the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament portion of our Bible, they use the word hilasmas. It means to be a covering. It can be translated a propitiation or atonement. 
and it speaks about the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 2, for he himself is the hilasmas, he is the propitiation of our sins, not for ours only, but for that of the whole world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night and these chapters. Today, Lord, we pray that our church would continue to come together to be filled with wisdom and knowledge to do the work that you've called, that we would have willing hearts, willing hearts to give, to provide for the ministry and the work of ministry, willing hearts to build, to gather together to do the work of ministry. So bless us, Lord. If there are those who are sick and in need of healing, touch. Those, Lord, who don't know you as Savior or need to return to you, Bring them back. Bring them to repentance, even this hour. And those, Lord, who just want to serve you, knowing, Lord, you've called them to serve, but they've never taken that step of faith, maybe tonight you're encouraging them to take that step. We pray these things in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and that he would keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.